Welcome to your podcast, Leadership is Tricky, where we'll tackle various topics, challenges, and experiences as it relates to your investment in leadership. So, let's design success together. Now your hosts. Hey everyone, Eric here with Leadership is Tricky. Uh, Steven, hey, what's going on? Nothing much, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. So we have a, a return guest uh, today. So we have Patty Tudelo. Um, how you doing, Patty? Good morning. Hi, good morning. Hey, no, I'm, I'm glad to have you back on. I uh, know we, we have a lot to talk about today, but uh, I think the last time we spoke was pre-pandemic. So um, yeah, walk us kind of through uh, how you guys, uh, you know, uh, whether you sheltered down or how you spent the pandemic. Um, so I know, toilet paper. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So how was it with you and the family through, through, throughout that, uh, that time? Yeah, I won't lie. It was a struggle, but we're, I, I was, I was just thinking we are in some sort of normalcy, I feel like again, and reflecting back on it, it was tough. It was very tough. So my kids are now, um, just about 13 and nine. So, they're still in elementary school whenever they were going through this. And my son just went into middle school this year, but it was hard. They were in virtual school for exactly a year. And um, which forced me, I wouldn't say forced me, but it, it, it made me um, pause what I was doing career wise and really just to hunker down with them and, um, and be with them and, help them with all their studies. I felt like the school was, you know, struggling a bit, trying to figure out the virtual thing. And, um, and then they didn't have sports or activities, which was also very tough to try to navigate what is safe, what isn't safe outdoor activities. Um, but I will say that we had a lot of flexibility because I wasn't on active duty anymore. And my husband was working from home. We were able to escape to North Carolina for about three months and just, quarantined or whatever you want to call it down there. So that was a really um, fun thing because when in life do you have everything paused to where you can just leave for a couple months? So that was good. But um, but at the same time, um, I paused my business and I paused my career and paused where I was going. And, and looking back, uh, it was good because I think I needed that. I needed that time for self-reflection and to determine what I really wanted. So when I originally made my business, which is, I guess I can explain a little bit what that is. It's a consultancy where I help organizations become more inclusive of women. And I do that through more traditional consulting. But what I mean by that is I guide uh, companies through a process that they do the work to become more inclusive. Um, I'm really big on like, if you want to become, you know, a bodybuilder, you can't contract that out to somebody. You have to actually do the work yourself. You need to get your butt to the gym. You need to do the workouts and and you need to do the work. Um, So my motto is really... I know, right? There are other ways, Eric. (laughs) (laughs) Until somebody figures out how to contract that out, (laughs) they're going to be a millionaire. Man, Google Um, search has been coming up empty. (laughs) Yeah, so... So that's that's how I I try to, you know, walk them through so that they can 
I always say, and Eric, you remember our professor, Dr. Livingston at Harvard, he would say it needs to be baked in the bread and not just the icing on top. And that's kind of been the model for me moving forward is like with my businesses, how do I get it, you know, truly baked into the organization? And that's by them doing the work. Um, And then I also do coaching as well as women's circles to help support women come together and um, support each other and, and become more authentic in their leadership style. So, um, but that model of how to, how to have my consultancy came out of my own self-reflection. Um, I also did a course where it was a business coach and a life coach to help me work through like what I truly want in my gifts and how to apply those to a business. And uh, it's been really, it's been really remarkable because the business went from what do I think companies want me to be to what can I offer in my heart of hearts to companies. Right. So it's been a, it's been a really good process. Um, who knew when I retired in 2019 that there would be this pandemic and everything, the world would go in a totally different direction, but I think in the end, we we handled it well as a family and, you know, professionally, I feel like I'm in a really good spot and, and overall, you know, in a good so Patty, place. Yeah, Patty, I have a question for you, um, kind of leading, but if you're open to being vulnerable. So you said COVID kind of forced this self-reflection moment for you. And maybe, maybe that's just what I heard. Do you think you would have taken the time to self-reflect, shut the business down, reconsider just the whole strategy if it wasn't for the pandemic? That's a, that's a really interesting question. I, I don't know, but I will say that I don't think my company would be successful or that I would be happy hmm. had I been continuing on that same trajectory. It felt very scattered and very, in, not, it, felt, it felt a little more inauthentic and now it feels, it's exciting. It's, it, it's at my core, you know, it's, right. yep. and, and I will say that it's, whether it's a consultancy or even if I'm, I'm not completely opposed to working for a company, um, as long as it's doing what my heart of hearts wants to do, if that makes sense. And that's the piece that was different is like really understanding what I want to do. And, and having the confidence to say, I'm only going to do those things. If you want me to do something else, then go somewhere else. We're good. You know, yeah, that's, so we, that's we, we, t- we talk about it all the time. It's purpose, right? Yes. Um, and, you know, I think I think we can all attest to you, while the, the pandemic and I'm very sympathetic to those that lost folks and, and, and had to suffer through um, the negative aspects of the pandemic. You know, I tell folks all the time that it, it was great um, for for I know my family to be able to just reset, right? Yeah. Do that reflection and then understand truly what is your purpose? Like, because with everything that was happening, right? And um, not knowing, you know, uh, what your mortality was going to look like, you know, you take a step back and you say, you know, what, why am I here? What is it that I want to do? Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's interesting you say that, but it's, you know, you start to look at your values and your beliefs and you look at what your true purpose is here for the time that we, you know, we're on this planet. 
Um, and I'll uh, add something else to that. So like the the way that life was, if we can remember those days, um, it it flipped a bunch of systems and models on their heads and, and things that we took for granted that just weren't necessarily sustainable going forward, given the data and the information that we had post or when the pandemic hit, you know, We had to social distance. That was a new term to everybody. We had no idea what that was. Mm. Uh, Wearing a mask was kind of a completely new thing for at least a lot of the Western world. I know some of the world was dealt with other pandemics previous to that that didn't really spread the globe. Um, But for me, I think from a leadership lens, like it's it's incredibly important to just like, number one, I, I applaud you for taking the time, Patty, like just to being able to say, this is... This is not where I'm, where I need to be. Let's take some time. Um, if it, if it meant like lost revenue, lost customers, lost clients, whatever the pause was to you, you still did it and just kind of reset with your own folks and your own, your own people. And you said, let's, let's get back to what is really going to drive us on the right trajectory. And I don't think a lot of people do that. And, and, you know, hopefully our listeners out there will understand that it shouldn't take a pandemic to do it so i'm not saying that that's you know something that should have happened to you or shouldn't have happened to you but I, you know there's always blessings in these opportunities that present themselves to us and uh you know good on you for for seeing it in the moment and you know actually doing it you know because i think that's the hardest part of all i had a question for you too patty um you said north carolina were you guys in the outer banks because i saw your guys's uh pictures and and videos and i was extremely jealous Oh, (laughs) no, we were in Oak Island, which is just south of the Outer Banks. And it's about an hour and 15 minutes from Myrtle Beach north. Right. Yeah. Oh, so there was golf, too. Okay, which was was a great, safe activity that we all learned about. (laughs) Yes, we we actually went golfing a few times as a family, which was hysterical because my (laughs) son was golfing for the first time. Now, granted, he's a bit of an athlete, but and and all of us are, but we're not really golfers. So you put a bunch of like basketball or lacrosse players, you know, on a golf course. It was a hot mess. My, my daughter didn't want to, she wasn't really interested in golfing. So she's drawing pictures of us as we're golfing. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, this is what pandemic golfing looks like. Like <laughs> it's just a mess, right. but it got us out there. Yeah. Cool. It was, it was nice. <laughs> yeah. So um, just pulling the string a little bit on, um, you, you mentioned that you, you reset your business um, and, you know, you wanted to focus on your purpose. Um, so what was your business's name and then what is it now? Cause I know you, you kind of transitioned that as well. So my, the old business, what, well, it still exists, I guess, but a whole authentic you, and it was more focused on helping just women, um, uh, become more supportive of each other, help them gain confidence and authenticity and leadership and things like that, which I haven't abandoned that mission. And that's definitely part of my purpose. But the piece that changed was this part about um, taking organizations to the gym to do their workouts. (laughs) That's the piece that's kind of changed. Whenever I would, for example, designing a workshop for an organization that says, I want to be, I want to better support my women. I want there to be better communication or something like that with women. Um, The tendency is, 
is for the focus to be solely on the women and supporting them, right? Like getting a group together, the circles, things like that, maybe executive coaching. But what I, I guess the shift is now that's not going to solve anything. That's just a little bit of a band-aid. The, how we actually get the problem is by getting the entire organization involved. So we start with the command and then we can get whatever it is, department heads or different, those silos, get, get those people involved and, and get the communication flowing and set up the system so that there's a method to get the issues up to the chain of command, so to speak. And, and have some solutions to solve them. Like we can't just sit here and say, put the pressure on women, give us the answers to the problem. Women, what are the problems? Women, it's gotta be more uh, holistic and it's gotta be um, command driven in my opinion. So yeah, that makes sense. So the new company is called Patty Tudelo Consulting and that's that more holistic model. So I'm curious. So I think the problem that you laid out there is very common with anything. If it's, you know, women's equality and empowering, you know, subsets of an organization. I think we hear this all the time, you know, hacking that bureaucracy of great ideas somewhere in the organization, wherever it happens to be, gets lost in that chain of command to use kind of that, that proverbial, you know, notion. And then if it ever does get to said leader that can actually make a decision on said action or idea, you know, by the time it maybe gets to them or maybe doesn't, it's maybe too late. Um, it, it's changed the flavor of the intent and all of that stuff. So do you, could you mind describing like just one way that we could hack that kind of, I always call it hack the bureaucracy or just being more of that rebel talent and uh, creating the, uh, the drive to make things happen. It's a great question. And it's, it's, I think where most companies get stuck is they say, I'm ready. I get the business case. I'm we're ready. out of shape. We want to go to the gym, right? Yeah. We're right <laughs> on that edge. Like it's January 1st. Let's do this. You know? Oh, is that donut? And, um, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think there's a few things. One, you can be, there's sneaky things you can do. And what I mean by sneaky is, um, I like that word, by the way, that's good. I'm all yeah, in on this. <laughs> yes. You, and, and you could call it sneaky or you could call it just strategic, but creative. Um, creative. Right. Yeah. So, so things, things like that, or you're just changing processes to get rid of the bias. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by that is, um, for example, you implement a policy that says, we're going to get rid of names on applications for the hire process. Um, And that's, people might not understand, you know, you'll get some pushback, I think, potentially, but I think that that's a way to sort of sneak in a different, you know, a different way of doing business that'll eliminate bias from showing up. Um, Another thing, and, and names are a big one. You could do that for, promotions, um, you know, for the military boards and panels, um, things like that. So that's one method, but as far as, and there's a lot of different ideas out there. Um, 
uh, one of our professors, Iris Bonet, she's like one of my heroes because she wrote a whole book on this about how to get, how to change the system to mitigate the bias. So just rather than sitting here trying to change everybody's brains, which is nearly impossible, um, unless you really work at it every day for hours, um, you're not going to change their bias. So instead, make the system better so that you eliminate those opportunities for the bias to pop up. So that's one method that's really, really effective. But the other piece, which I think is more complicated, is it's getting the people on board with the change. Um, and, and one of the things we learned was there's there's three buckets of people. There's people that are on board with the change. The middle people are on the fence. And I always use the example, whenever I was working um, for the Navy, I had a, uh, a Navy chief. And meanwhile, I was only an O2. So I was a very, I was what, maybe 25 years old or so. I don't know how old I was. Very young Coast Guard officer. And they sent me a Navy chief who had only been on subs his entire career. And oh, I'm like, oh God, how's this no going to work? This, this guy has never worked with a woman before in his life. Like, what is this going to look like? And uh, and he, I, I think, falls into that category. Like, he never had to think about the issue. So he doesn't, but he can be influenced. And he was, like, he was, he was fabulous, actually. So he ended up um, being one of these, you know, proponents of like the change and you know so so those are the middle bucket the people that are on the fence that want to do the right thing and but they don't necessarily know much about the topic and then you have the bottom third that are like no way women don't even belong in this workplace or whatever you know so the model is is don't worry about those guys you're never going to convince those guys so let's work with this this population and that's really where i think the rubber meets the road is is for organizations, you have to utilize these very pro people and have them influence and, and bring these people up to speed. So it's a lot of like a little bit of peer pressure, but it's also, um, I sometimes say you slap people from all different sides. So whether you have an affinity group or an employee resource group mm-hmm. um, that's influencing, you have, um, you know, for some people, it's new legislation came down. So what do you do to implement that? You know, that's a that's another kind of slap on an organization. Like, you need to do this or a policy. Um, and then you look at just, you know, um, s- some of the leaders, invite them to the meetings whenever that are very pro um, change, you know. So there's a lot of different ways, but that's more of the creative strategy of getting uh, getting things through the bureaucracy. That's the most, and that's where I love to actually play is learn all the players who's on which team. And then let's figure out how to use everybody effectively. Yeah. Like my, my big takeaway from what you just mentioned was I think a lot of people focus on the folks that they can't convince. And for whatever reason, that's just what they do because as a leader, you know, a lot of your team's situations and problems challenges, opportunities, couch it however you want. You always focus on the 90% of your issues, which come from the 10% of your folks. It's that rule that I can't remember what the, who actually coined the term, but, you know, it's easy for us to focus on fixing things versus let's just empower, enable, 
and release the chains, so to speak, on the folks that actually potentially are going to be behind us. And then the folks that are your champions, those early adopters and, and evangelists, and let them go off and actually do all the work. Because they're, those are the ones that we really need to go all in on. And I'm reminded of, there's a, there's a TED Talk, which is based on this like YouTube video called How to Start a Movement. This guy dancing all crazy at, a, I think, Red Rocks in Colorado at a concert. And he looks like a, he looks like a moron out there by himself until there's maybe two or three folks. And then there's this thing called a tipping point that occurs. And I think that that to me is like the most impactful thing because humans by nature, I think, want to be involved in a part of like a community and a thing that's happening. And you can see it in social media. You can see it in all kinds of things. And once they see momentum there, they'll flock to it because it's hard to be that first follower. We've always talked about that. Like that's the most important person at all. Um, so I, I think that's great. And uh, hopefully you're giving organizations like that will to, uh, to actually motivate and inspire those first followers out there. It's great. Yeah. There's a couple things though. I just wanted to put out there. Um, so I know Iris Bonet, she's amazing. So her book is what works and she talks about all those actionable things that you can do. So you know, how do you redesign this system so that way it, it helps those that are disenfranchised and or, you know, enables, you know, the organizations to do what they need to do to, to change. Um, and then uh, just Stephen, just to throw it out there for folks that are looking for that video, it's all about the lone nut and the first follower. Um, so, yeah, it's a great video. And, you know, we see it today because you had mentioned social media. We see it today with influencers on Instagram you know, they'll, they'll push any product. And if you are a resistor, you're not going to be interested, but it's really about those fence sitters, you know, um, and I always equate it back to, um, you know, with Apple devices, you know, you're always going to have those folks, you could even say like a Dungeons and Dragons movie, right? They're, they're, they're camped out for days and days, right. To, to get the first iPhone, you know, and, um, the folks that love, you know, like a Samsung Android device just aren't going to be interested in anything that anyone that loves Apple has to say. But, you know, Apple, you know, they know they have the early adopters and those fence sitters or the people that are passing by Apple wishing they were in that line. Right. Yeah. And and or, you know, they just recoin, uh, you know, the widget to to just be a better mousetrap and say, hey, we're going to add another camera lens to this phone to get you back and they know they've gotten you because you are charge you $500 more. <laughs> it was crazy. They don't my, even care. My daughter wanted That's a phone the other day. I know I'm, I'm, I'm going a different, a different path now, but she, you know, she's seven and she wants to do like sleepovers and things like that. And I was like, okay, only if you have a phone. So we started looking, it's like $1,200 for a phone. I'm like, what? That's a used car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, not anymore even use cars they're in the twenty thousand range <laughs> oh that's terrible no 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 it's great but um yeah so i, I just wanted to, to share though because we were talking about like how do we strip out the names and you know the gender bias out of like the recruitment process so cool. i was in an organization um out in belgium and we when i first got there we did a um, command climate survey um, for those that aren't in the military, it's really just taking inventory of the issues within your organization and getting the the temperature of the organization. And then you start to bend things in different um, categories. So like leadership, trust and cohesion, gender equality, you know, the hiring process. But you take all of those issues that they were surveyed on and you start to develop an action plan. And one of them was gender um, bias in the hiring process. So what we did was is we got our HR organization that was across the street on board to strip out the names. Right. And then, you know, we, we put it out there 
uh, with an announcement that was more appealing to um, not just males, right? Um, and what, what what we found was is you know, especially in IT, because that's the field that you know Stephen and I are in. But we weren't finding that a lot of women were um, applying. One, um, and then two, the ones that did make the list, even if we offered them the job, you know, they had to really make a hard assessment on whether or not they wanted to move their family, you know, across you know to Europe. Um, and you know, they're making those hard decisions. But what I found was cool because we did some, you know, we got some feedback from the folks that did apply, you know, what was appealing about the job. And it was the way that we put the announcement out there. It felt more inclusive. Um, and then we we offered interviews to more women at the end of the day than we have in the past. So we're giving them the option, the opportunity. And I think that's what's missing sometimes is just the opportunity um, and, and, you know, and then, you know, playing to the appeal um, of what might interest the broader community than just, you know, a small segment of people. Um, but, you know, those, those are some things that we did. I mean, you know, after I left the organization, I don't know that they, they kept up that practice, but um, you know, I see, I, I still see it today. You know, there's, there's a lot of bias built into the processes that we have within the organizations. Um, and, you know, and it's, it's, it's not just gender bias, but it's, you know, multiple um, biases mm-hmm. and prejudices that are built in, you know, to, to the, the system still. Um, but no, I just wanted to talk about that because, you know, I got that from Iris Bonet's book and I got that from the feedback from a command climate survey um, on, you know, these are some actionable things that you can do. Um, and, you know, back to your point was instead of grabbing a focus group of just women, it was a diverse focus group to say, what are some things we can do in the short term? Um, because we have to bring, you know, men to the table to have that conversation so that we can see exactly, you know, where our bias and prejudice uh, lies. Right. And that's within us in some cases. It's, it might not be deliberate. Right. And on purpose, but it's it's there. And we have to be aware and start that conversation and not just give the work to the women. Right. I think it's it's on women to give the work back to us um, males. Right. In society um, to, to, to solve. And, you know, I'm just more interested in your work because, you know, I've got two, two little girls upstairs right now that need women like you, right. To, to, to help pave the way for them. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, Patty, I've got one comment on all this. So we need all those voices and you're absolutely right. One thing that's coming to my mind right now is psychological safety in an organization. And what I mean by that is not only the subset of individuals in your case, maybe females, that might not feel safe to even have a conversation with others in the organization, but the other side as well, the detractors, the folks that might not even understand that there's an issue, you know, at play, what are your ideas or opportunities around just increasing at least the psychological safety before you bring everybody together? Cause I feel like that's probably the secret sauce to even having everybody agree and have kind of consensus around the issue and then really kind of get after the problem and understand that we all need to go to the gym to use your analogy earlier. What do you think about that? Yeah. Psychological safety is huge. Um, one of the things that I always say is, is you almost have to assume everybody or all the women in the room have had some level of trauma. Um, and even though it might not be precisely definition of trauma, it, it, 
it's it was significant to that person. And what I mean by that is you could have um, you could have the woman shut down, uh, crying, um, not wanting to talk. And that's before you even start a conversation. That's where they're coming from. So psychological safety is huge. I think, and that's the reason why I love women's circles, um, that we create an environment where we try to be as judgmental, you know, free of judgment as possible, um, which I know is, you know, it's not really entirely possible, but we try to just hold that space so that amongst women, they can at least speak. And, and then the stronger people in that group can be the voice. So it doesn't necessarily have to be connected to that specific person. It could just be a in general issue. But, but the, the other piece is um, when it comes to psychological safety is um, say they don't have a group, right? It's just the three women. I mean, for the Coast Guard, there's so many units where there's either one or two women at the unit and that's it. So how do they navigate that? And that's where I think that it's so important to have mentors and um, sponsors, um, those sponsors in a meeting to say, hey, what do you think about this? Um, and that goes for, for any minority too, whether it's a woman or a minority is having that person at the table to to help them and encourage them or just allow their voice to be heard is, is pretty huge. Um, but I think there's, it's important and it's something that has to be navigated very carefully within, you know, whenever you do this type of work. I, I mentioned before that my, um, or I was actually talking to Eric, I guess about that is my master's is in holistic counseling. So I do have that background in, um, where I had a private practice for a couple of years working with um, with um, people with some significant uh, mental health issues. So I'm, I'm trying to be very, very mindful of what everybody brings to that table whenever we meet with organizations. Um, and the other thing I want to say is like, whenever we're talking about these issues, oftentimes the issues that are being raised are not specific to women. They're specific to climate or, and regardless of gender. Mm -hmm. And that's been really cool too, to see that even though it's the woman that brought up the issue, the whole, the whole organization benefits, which is another reason why it's really important to have men and women at the table for all these discussions. Um, and then I think you said something about naysayers. Um, and what I would say about naysayers are those people that aren't on board I think it's important to hold them accountable. That also contributes to psychological safety. So if um, if, if we're if we're saying that's not okay or we're firing people, I mean, whatever disciplinary action needs to be taken against those people, that makes those the the women or whoever else is or the victims feel more safe because they mm -hmm. know that the organization is going to support them. So I think that's really important. And I think that's oftentimes where people fail is, or organizations fail is they do not hold people accountable. And those people are often the ones that have been there forever. They're not willing to change, <laughs> but you gotta, you, you gotta get rid of the dead weight, so to speak. No, it's, I mean, it's very tough. I would say 
as a leader, as a person that has the authority, the formal authority, we've talked about that on the show, um, that when the rubber meets the road, you've got to make that hard decision for the betterment of the organization. It's not because of your own personal belief system. Um, and I wouldn't say that you're the detractor as well, but I mean, it comes on you at the end of the day. And to me, if the organization's not willing to make those said decisions and actions that are bold and hard and challenging yet better for everybody, then the organization doesn't deserve to be an organization. And I think uh, you've seen that as well. Um, when they get away from those core values and really the the norms of everybody's thoughts and you know, you got this subset of the folks that are with the formal authorities that just aren't listening and they're in their, in their own shell for whatever reason. And people leave, you know, they'll vote with their feet all day long too. So I'm, I think we all need to be very real about that. So I appreciate you bringing that up because the accountability is probably the other most important thing in all of this conversation for sure. Yeah. And I, that was one of the pieces of clarity that I got during my time of a pause, so to speak. I, I will not work with an organization that's not ready to implement change. It's not worth it to me. I'm yeah. not going to convince you. That's not what I'm here to do. That's not what my purpose is. So if you're ready and you are willing to do the work, let's, let's do this. But if not, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's okay too. Cause there's like maturity levels of all of this. And, you know, one day they'll figure out that they have a problem and, they need to go work on it and they'll hopefully reach out back to you. And if not, that's okay too. And there's others to go help. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. There's all different levels. Um, and coming in, in the, whenever you meet with an organization, finding out where they are baseline, because you're going to have within that organization, people at all different levels. And it's really important to get everybody on some sort of level playing field and then build up from there. It's a really right. good point. Yeah. Cool. No, so I, I think that uh, especially th- what I've noticed with, uh, you know, the consulting piece and, um, you know, that's our time that we're, you know, we're gifting to someone, even if it's, you know, they're paying us for it, but we're gifting our time to them. And if you see there's no end in sight or they're not ready because it could come off as disingenuous is like, look, hey, we've got a consultant on board. You know, we're focused on leadership. We're focused on gender equality. We're focused on these things. Just because you hired someone doesn't mean that you're focused on. It just means it could be just a show, right? That, hey, we put some money against these programs that we don't really believe in, but it exists. Um, so that's, that's just one of the things. So I see um, these diversity uh, organizations popping up all over the place because I, I just looking at LinkedIn, right? I see a lot of folks with the title now of, you know, uh, director of, 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 uh, um, diversity and inclusion. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you look at like, you know, uh, kind of, I, I like to look at that just to see, you know, where have they been? What have they done? And, you know, this is like their first role, you know, there's just director. And then, you know, I'll peek over to the organization site and it's, you know, it'll, it'll say it there, this new organization with a new director for diversity and inclusion where it's like, okay, well, it hasn't been really your focus, right? Or there might be some some bad press out there that says that they need this. Um, so, yeah, it come off as disingenuous, and you know, I applaud you for 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 you know standing your ground and drawing the line in the stand and say you're not going to get you know I'm not going to waste my time if you're you know just doing this for show and or because it's a fad and it's out there in the news and you feel like we have to do it because of cancel culture or whatever the case may be. So, no, c- continue to live yeah, your purpose. And- yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. One of the things that you can really understand 
how how the organization, how seriously they're taking it is look at where that position is in the organization. Right. Some, um, some is it embedded within HR? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's what I always ask is where is this within the organization? And that tells you a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. all virtual at a satellite office. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, or I think- or is, there an, is there an opportunity to move it? You know, is there any um, appetite to, to, or is there any freedom to move this to a different part of the organization? If the answer is, hmm, we haven't thought of that. I'm like, okay, maybe we could, (laughs) there's a possibility here. So, Hey, hey, Patty, just to put you on the spot as we come up on, on close here is, um, you know, for for those folks that are out there listening, no matter where they're at in their career, what, you know, a couple nuggets you want to leave with them that they need to be thinking about. Um, probably do their own soul searching. Um, so one of the things that I did during my time, and this was that, uh, course I was telling you about with a business coach and, um, uh, life coach, and I'll, I'll give a shout out to them. It's Jamie Peer and Jill Glassenknapp, and they're both, uh, women veterans and, and, and entrepreneurs. And they, they're the ones that led this course. And, they led us through an exercise that we revisited every week for 12 weeks. And that exercise is what do you want? What's your dream in your career, your relationships, your time and money, freedom, and your health and wellness. And so every week we had to write that out. And when we wrote it, not only did we write you know, I want a consulting business or whatever, but I had to put details in there. And the details are the five senses of what it smells like, tastes like, looks like, here's, you know, all of the senses. And it was kind of cool because one of the things that came out of it was I really wanted a leather bag because for me, this leather bag represented like a professional woman consultants. And like, I had this very big image of this leather bag and also with leather comes the smell of leather. And anyway, so once I got my leather bag, like I finally found the one, this leather bag, I was like, I've arrived at my consultancy, you know, (laughs) but my point is not about the bag. My point is like, I think it's important to do that exercise. Do you want to travel? Do you want the time and money freedom to travel? Do you want Um, for me, part of my day, I have to work out every day. Um, and that that's in the form of walking outside. So that was very big for me. And my next thing was, I have to be able to walk because it's so important for my mental health. So I, that would be my piece of advice as leaders. I think you really need to know who you are and what you want in life. And when you get clarity on that, it's amazing how things sort of just happen. You're the, you don't have to force it. You don't have to like people come into your life at the right time. Conversations happen at the right time. Business comes at the right time. It's it just, you're living in flow. So that would probably be my biggest piece of advice is just do that exercise and do it regularly. Right. All right. Hey, so here we are on close. Uh, Patty, thank you for coming on again. And, you know, hopefully you're a regular. We don't have to wait two years to get you back on. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it's always insightful. It's always great to, to have you on here and, and sharing, uh, you know, some things that we need to do um, uh, to, to push the ball forward here in society. So, um, so yeah, so if you're a first time listener, uh, thank you for, for joining us today. Um, if you know, you're a regular, welcome back. Um, so, uh, Steve, I'll leave you with the, with the final word, uh, or, or thought. Yeah. So Patty, again, thank you. It's been great to have you on. Um, you've challenged a lot of my beliefs and, and thoughts. So I, I, I have grown listening to you and, and your purpose and why, I think my big two things are, you know, taking pause. I think that's something that everybody can take away from this session with you today, that it's important and you need to know that threshold or tripwire for yourself of we need to shut this down for however long it needs to be for yourself and um, get back to your purpose and your why. And then I think separately, and this is really to the listeners, um, you have a voice and we've said it many, many times and I'm going to just foot stomp it again that, you know, speak your heart and your mind and your organization, your family unit, your community, whatever those folks and people that are around you that you might feel oppressed or, you know, that your thoughts aren't being heard and you've got that solution or idea or concept or even problem that needs to be thrown out there. Um, don't ever feel like you're, you're, uh, you're not um, important enough and you need to hopefully be bold and put it out there and uh, be vulnerable, be that first follower and uh, that lone nut sometimes. So with that, I appreciate the time and uh, hopefully you'll have a great rest of your weekend. All right. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, likewise. Yeah.